Welcome to today's Building Management Podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm Sean Heath, and today's conversation lets me chat with Ken Burkhalter, former Deputy Director with Rand Facility Services. Ken, how are you today, sir? I'm great. How are you, Sean? You know what? I'm doing quite well. Thank you for asking. All my Christmas shopping's finished. Life is good. Uh, That's good indeed. You have a lengthy background and history in a very full-featured sort of approach to the industry that you spent 25-plus years working in, and that is specifically strategic planning, development implementation. You really kind of focused on making things work. And I find that fascinating. Someone who can juggle all of those sort of disparate ideas and and requirements and put them together in a cohesive unit, that seems to be something that's uh, one of your strong suits. If you could, please, and I know because of your extensive experience, this will be a challenge, but if you could give me sort of the elevator pitch on how Ken Burkhalter got into the industry of facility services and kind of where your road has taken you to get to your consultancy sort of approach of where you are today? Yeah, that's that's actually an interesting question. And my answer is not all that different than many people who are in facilities in that it was not a targeted specific action. It just sort of happened to me. I have an architecture background. Um, I came out of the military, went to work for an organization um, managing a large industrial complex. And, um, you know, I just sort of grew from that. Then I grew into project management, found out pretty quickly that I I enjoyed building things more than I enjoyed uh, designing them. So I really focused on the project management aspect. And uh, these, you know, large projects are a process that, span multiple years usually and it does begin with strategic planning and then it moves into the the project planning and and, uh, building and then operationalizing the project um, near the end of construction so you're set to go and that's that's kind of the general process but in general my career has been um, focused on that with a wide generalist uh, perspective as well now you've also done that with sort of an eye towards the lean six sigma correct yeah, especially in the latter years, uh, I came. I got involved in Lean uh, maybe 10, 10, 12 years ago um, as a part of uh, some uh, process planning that we were doing to to fine tune and, and increase efficiencies and all the all the things you do with uh, Lean. Uh, so it, you know, I'm not a, a Six Sigma uh, black belt by any stretch, but I'm very very used to working in that domain. And really looking for what the what the nuggets to a problem are, you know, discovering those gold nuggets that are hidden inside every problem because every one of them is an opportunity, and that's the way I view lean and and uh, that that process improvement process. And that approach really fits very logically with some of the things that were your focus when you were with Rand, specifically business resiliency. I know that you had a big focus on disaster preparedness, but you handled those two things. You had an interesting approach to handling those two things when you were with Rand. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, we we like uh, a lot of folks. You know, we we decided to go after the business resiliency um, effort, and our initial approach was to do what a lot of folks do, and that is uh, go out and hire a consultant. 
And thankfully, we didn't spend a lot of time or money with them because we didn't get much value back. Frankly, we didn't get any, any value back. So we pulled back, we huddled for a bit, and we said, okay, how do we do business resiliency for us? And as we talked about that, we realized that nobody knows us better than us. And we decided to bootstrap it, do it ourselves. We did not take on a very um, broad-based uh, macro-level program. We really got down in the weeds. And, and, and I should preface this by saying the entire institution went after this at the same time. And so it was a broad-scale approach. But in the facilities component, we did a real deep dive on who we are, what's really important to us, how that operates, and how do we build in build in the resiliency. Uh, we're, we were fortunate in that we have a, a small staff, but a really, really good staff, well-trained, well-motivated folks that, uh, you know, really cared. And, and so that made it a lot easier. We had a good team and we just worked through it. And it took us about a year and a half. Uh, but we went down to the level of equipping ourselves, exercising ourselves. And I mean, seriously exercising ourselves. Uh, and that has uh, paid dividends on several occasions. So I just want to diverge just for a moment before you continue on with the next topic. Did you find that having a smaller, more agile team made you more ready for success when when you sort of took on that team approach? Well, we had the advantage of, uh, because we're a small team, uh, we were used to working with each other. And most of our team had been there for you know some time. We didn't have a lot of new players in the group. And so there was a lot of trust in each other, a lot of confidence. Uh, we knew that we had each other's back. When somebody said they were going to deliver, you know, whatever piece, everybody knew that it was going to be on the table when it was due. That kind of trust and confidence in each other uh, really, you know, melts the team together. And it amplifies, I, I believe, it amplifies the end result. So we did have that advantage and we used it. So a smaller team actually enables that concept of, of synergy, whereas possibly a larger team, although you would think it would have more resources, could actually cause a, a dilution or a watered-down effect of the overall effectiveness of a team. Uh, possibly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that in all cases, but as a blanket statement. I think it, it really depends on uh, leadership how the team is formed and the quality of the people you have on the team. If you have all those aligned, then I think a large team can function just as well. That was, you know, we just didn't have that option. We had a small team. It, it was what it was, but we were uh, fortunate in the fact that we had the folks we did. Because as you said, you just decided to bootstrap it and you literally did that. You said, here's our group. It's us. Let's go solve this. I really like that approach. That's a, that's a very bold, and I think extremely logical way to approach it. Okay, here's the guys we've got. This is, let's go do it. It's it's not dissimilar. I'm going to diverge here a little bit, but it's not dissimilar. Uh, when we we went after the, the uh, developing a metrics program many, many years ago, uh, and, you know, we talked about KPIs and benchmarking and all that stuff, and we started to benchmark and we realized, wait a minute, um, 
again, kind of the same issue, we're benchmarking a people against people who are not us. And we really, um, although we understand there's value in that information and we do use it, but we really went back to saying, let's benchmark ourselves. And that actually was the very seed of what followed later with the process improvement. Because the benchmarks, when you start benchmarking yourself, you, you really, you think you know yourself. If you do it right, you really know who you are and you know who your, what your problems are and where to put your attention. Yes. Yeah, so you have to make sure that you're measuring yourself with the right yardstick. Yep. You have this small team. You're focusing on going after business resiliency. I know that you also had a focus, and this is something that a lot of people probably don't take into account in their day-to-day -day in hardly any industries, but you had a special affinity for disaster preparedness, the your ability to, to kind of approach that. Can you give me a little insight into that particular aspect of it? Yeah, largely the same. I mean, they're they're more or less one and the same. But uh, we we had a we had reasons uh, to be interested in it, uh, and then we and subsequently we've exercised those in exercise form and in real life form. Uh, you know, we like everybody else, you deal with weather closures and and floods and those kinds of things, and we've had some of those incidences over our. Uh, history. So the groundwork that we laid uh, enabled us to go through those in normally uh, virtually a seamless fashion. And and this the seamlessness came because we had a good plan, but it, a lot of people have good plans. I believe the seamlessness came because we had exercised and when something happened, it was not new to us. People had been through it. They knew what to do. Uh, it was more like, okay, this is what today's normal is going to be like. You know, you mentioned everybody has a plan. And whenever I hear that phrase, I'm always reminded of the interview that Mike Tyson gave when he said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So I think that being able to have that plan and know, look, this is our plan and we're sticking to it. I think that helps. When the disaster does come, whether it's now, next week, five years from now, I think having that plan and being committed to it really is is of the utmost importance. Now, that's referring to, as a general rule, outside forces, uh, as you said, weather closures and external pressures and forces. I want to go inside the building for a minute, if we could, or inside the facility and talk about another critical part of your expertise, and that was the concept of occupancy space management. Is that another way of saying how you use the space you have? Uh, it is in part. Uh, everybody, especially today, the last several years with alternative workplace uh, environments coming to the fore, everybody is interested in their utilization rates, how efficient and effective they are with their space. Sometimes it's about how we can be more productive and effective with a smaller footprint. Uh, sometimes it's about enhancing collaboration. You know, there's lots of motivations, uh, but that, and again, it requires, uh, you know, doing a deep dive on yourself. What I see in the industry, you know, I see lots of projects in publications 
and they they begin to look a lot alike. Um, I think organizations that really go through a thoughtful, insightful process to understand who they are, what they need, how they operate, and have very specific goals in mind for a project, not just to do a project, obviously. Uh, those organizations, I think, do it the best. And to the extent that I would say, and I'm, I'm creating this out of thin air, but probably 80% of those projects that are successful, 80% of the thought is, uh, you know, you go through that process before you ever set pencil to paper on the drawing board in the old days. So my, my point in saying that is it's, it needs to be a very thoughtful exercise uh, around the specific organizational needs and goals, not just adopting something that you see something uh, occurring in industry and think it's a good thing, or you, you want to do the project but you don't realize the full value if you don't do it in a really thoughtful way. I would encourage folks, and I do encourage folks when I work with clients to, to be very thoughtful about these uh, things. First of all, you're spending a lot of money, so you want to make sure you get full value out of it. But be very thoughtful about it. And what I've seen is that organizations have learned things about themselves. And in some cases, the process is, has given them an opportunity to tweak things. Uh, to their advantage. So I, I just encourage folks to take that approach. With that sort of focus on on thoughtfulness and being mindful, uh, that requires a deliberate and slower, more considered approach to whatever particular problem or challenge that's in front of uh, a particular company or facility. Have you seen something because with the advance of technology and how fast everybody thinks everything needs to be, we're all a now, now, now sort of uh, society, or at least that's what we're moving towards. And have you seen anything in this rush of technology, in this uh, in this charge to be faster and first and best? Have you seen anything in particular that sort of gives you hope or that gives you an optimism for the industry that you think? Hmm, you know what? This particular advance is going to be a good thing. So I'm going to shift that my answer to that question a little bit. Um, the, the answer is yes, I do see some things, but the thing I would like to focus on is people. Uh, facilities management is is not a very old profession, and it hasn't typically had a very high profile. But that is beginning to change. And, and one of the and technology, as we all know, in every area of life is changing, you know, like every day. Uh, the thing that encourages me most is the young people I see coming into the profession. Uh, the, this profession, um, it needs and it is benefiting from the new energy and the new ideas that they're bringing with them. Uh, I look around at some of the folks I see doing stuff uh, at a young age that I didn't do until later in their career because I think they're coming out more um, more motivated, more energized, and certainly with the higher skill level. You know, folks in my generation, we sort of, in one sense, you could say, 
we invented the profession. Not literally true, but I think you, your listeners will get my point. Uh, the folks coming into it today come in with a tighter focus and with uh, greater skill sets and knowledge than than we did in the early days. We In the early days, we were a bunch of folks in all different disciplines who just sort of cobbled ourselves together and eventually out of it grew a profession. I think today we're seeing the next level of maturation of the profession and the young folks coming in with their energy and ideas are having a lot to do with that. Well, I feel at this point I would be remiss if I did not point out that one of the reasons that this younger flow of energetic individuals that are coming into the industry, one advantage or benefit that they have that you did not have is they have you as a resource. So they have your years of experience and knowledge that they get to benefit from if and I believe that they are, if they are smart enough to realize that they have you as a resource. And I think with that, I have to say thanks so much. I really have enjoyed getting to talk to you uh, today, Ken. This has been really interesting. And today I have been talking to Ken Burkhalter, former deputy director with Rand Facility Services and current, I'm going to go ahead and call it guru when it comes to consulting in the facilities management spectrum. Ken, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Sean. That's good. I hope you have a great holiday and look forward to talking to you again down the road. You too. Blessings to you and your family. Thank you, sir.